In the wake of the theft of $81 million from Bangladesh Bank by attackers who managed to inject messages into the SWIFT network, SWIFT has warned its 11,000 customers that they should be doing such things as using strong passwords and employing firewalls. Hi, I'm Matthew Schwartz, Executive Editor for Information Security Media Group, and I'm speaking with Doug Gourley, Corporate Vice President at Skyport Systems, about how banks should be responding to the SWIFT hack. Doug, shouldn't banks of all sizes and around the world already know and be doing the sorts of minimal guidance that SWIFT is now issuing? Sure, of course. I agree. In fact, one shift we've seen in vendor recommendations in general is that over the last two to three years, vendors who have a product that is a target, Swift is clearly a target, they have gone from broad brushstroke security recommendations to extremely prescriptive ones. And you know, Microsoft is one of the ones who I'd say is leading in this. It used to be, they'd say, uh, segment your network and implement security zones. Now, if you pull up their papers on securing Active Directory, it starts with like, you need clean source hardware and clean source software. You need policy enforcement points at the following locations. You have to prevent the following types of attacks. Here is the threat model. Here is how you defeat it. The tonality difference in the paper, right? The level of seriousness that the vendor is taking in providing direct, prescriptive, actionable guidance. It speaks to really a couple things. One is that clearly the vendor knows their product better than almost anyone else. They have an obligation because of that knowledge to describe and determine the best ways to secure it to the state of the people in their clients. Biggest banks in the world are going to do an outstanding job 99 times out of 100 protecting these types of critical systems because they have the resources and the experience. But like we've learned and like we understand about banking is that once you're in a regional bank or a smaller international one and so on, that level of security competency and discipline very often just isn't there. The talent might not even be available in the places that that bank does business and runs its operations. So it's incumbent upon the vendor to be able to teach and inform to the lowest common denominator what is the level of security capabilities, infrastructure, best practices, people, process, technology, so on, that has to be applied to secure their application. And I think the third thing that's fundamentally changed is the threat landscape. The professionalism and severity of the threats that we're seeing against these types of systems. One thing we've clearly learned in this breach is to whether the person or persons had insider knowledge or were insiders. It's unquestionable that they had knowledge. They had deep understanding of how the systems worked, what the message formatting was, what they needed to put in to get out the reaction they wanted, right? Nobody was guessing. They knew the application. They knew the security framework that protected it. I'm willing to bet they knew it better than the bank's InfoSec professionals did. And we're seeing the result of that now. There, historically in IT, I think, seems to have been a, you should know how to do this. But what you're talking about here sounds like there's a showing you how to do this right isn't going to hurt anything and actually might help us all sort of push. The best analogy I can use, and if I'm to be a little bit predictive about what the outcome of these types of breaches will be, I'm betting within probably short order, but let's just gate it with some rational time frame of two years. 
there's going to be the equivalent of the payment card industry, the PCI DSS specification for security coming out for these types of applications, probably coming from the SWIFT alliance. And it very well may be that a bank at least should, if not must, engage a qualified auditor to come in and audit their infrastructure and their processes and their people to ensure that they're operating their infrastructure in a way that serves their shareholders and their trustees and directors the best. I would not be surprised at all to see that type of regulatory change, which is we're going to create a standard, we're going to audit the standard, and if you want to move money over the Swift Alliance infrastructure, you have to be compliant with the standard and constant recertification against it. I'm guessing we will see a reaction like that. There's an interesting tension here in that SWIFT is a cooperative. It's owned by about 3,000 banks. And you see the tone of the messaging that they're issuing getting increasingly, I don't know what the right word would be, but the most recent ones have been along the lines of, please, for the love of God, use strong passwords and firewalls. SWIFT's name, though, is getting dragged through the mud a little bit because everyone's saying, well, SWIFT is being hacked. And SWIFT is saying, no, we're not being hacked. These banks are failing to follow basic security practices. But that seems to square with what you're saying. It's in everyone's best interests that anyone using SWIFT isn't going to be on the receiving end of one of these attacks, whatever that takes. You're one of the biggest targets in the world right now. This is the easiest bank robbery ever. It's the safest, and it pays out a heck of a lot better than walking in a regional branch with a gun, right? So what you going to do? And Swift, you're right, their name is getting dragged through the mud because their application is the one that is being compromised. It is debatable because, you know, like one of the known attacks used a compromise of a user credential between Swift Web Service and the user. It broke that trust. Now, roll that back. Are they using the same authentication system that they use for the rest of the enterprise? Because you will notice that Swift supports Radius, TACX, LDAP, and so on. Is it using the same central authentication store so that by getting a um, user to click on the wrong email or getting a user to go to the wrong URL, you have owned their laptop, you've put a key logger on there, and you've garnered their user credentials? That is possible. Is it also that in the other one where they've taken over an application that has the ability to interface with the Swift MQ server, the message queue server, which most large firms use that messaging route. So it's the most important thing to protect. It's also where the reconciliation process is done. So the ability to block return messages and deal with a inject your own message because you've owned one of the systems that interfaces with Swift that may not be as secure. You've compromised the application's integrity even if you haven't directly owned the application itself. And you know, that's to your point where the branding damage comes in, right? The, oh no, Swift has been hacked. Something around it's been hacked and its infrastructure has been misused. And, and there's a bit of defensive posture of blaming your customer going around. And I think what we really need, especially for these smaller institutions, is back to that prescriptive guidance not just use firewalls, use strong passwords, but decouple your authentication identity management infrastructures from Swift. Air gap the infrastructure like this. Put firewalls here with these types of policies on them. And I don't think Swift had gone, well, I know Swift has not gone that far. And their security guidance is accurate, but weak. It's broad brushstroke. It's that, hey, use security, zone, Put firewalls in, segment this, 
not an actionable security document. And it frankly doesn't get into the levels of security best practices that are necessary against the threat landscape that they face today. Right? It doesn't talk about how to signature sign and validate software. It doesn't talk to how do you validate the hardware that you're deploying these systems on is verified to not have low-level malware or rootkits on it. Right? It doesn't get into how do you verify that if you're using virtualization, the controller is separate, right? The virtualization systems management function is separate. How do you do backup? Is backup segregated? How do you control physical access? What are the policies? How do you implement a two-man rule so that two people have to be compromised? And I think most importantly, the thing that's not in there and their application architecture is forensics. There needs to be a method of connecting the Swift gateway that talks to the internal MQ and then being able to tie that into a business reconciliation system so that we can get a definitive source of truth on inbound and outbound messages and bring that back to a BRS system that is validating and sort of co-witnessing. Here's what it went out on Swift. Here's what our business processes have indicated should be done. And you would join between those. And if they see something that looks out of whack, coming back and rapidly identifying that so that we have the ability to recall transactions before they get not only cleared, but then subsequently retransmitted and effectively laundered. It is interesting that in at least two of the hack attacks, it appears that a PDF reader was subverted as part of the attack to block the information coming back to the banks that something bad had happened or that these false orders had been injected. Seems a pretty weak control to have fail and be able to move nearly a billion dollars. That's the blocking the return path, right? So they identified a system that's in that message chain that could be easily compromised. And then by being compromised, they can block that return path. So the ability to do business reconciliation or detect this breach has happened or that this message went out or these funds were transferred was delayed. It took more of an audit to find it than it took somebody looking at it going, hmm, this doesn't look right. Block this transaction. Or, hey, recall this one. It doesn't look right. It doesn't pass the sniff test. It's an incredibly well-orchestrated attack. And by the way, so is Target. So is J.P. Morgan. Right? The threat landscape that big business sees today is professional. This isn't 15-year-old kids sitting at home playing on the laptop they got for the birthday. It's not like when you and I were kids running through with a modem, dialing every number to see if we could find our school district because we knew the password because we saw it on the desk of the guidance counselor. Right? It's very different. Doug, thanks very much for your time today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. For Information Security Media Group, this is Matthew Schwartz. Thank you for joining us.